0: From the Madison Metropolitan School District, this is Lead to Liberate, a podcast documenting stories of inspiration, growth, and empowerment across our schools.
1: Oh, wow. I just love that music. I'm telling you, it gets me hype every week. Again, welcome back to Lead to Liberate. I am Dr. Carlton D. Jenkins, very proud superintendent of Madison Metropolitan School District. Today... We have another special guest. One of our employees today really is over us so much in our district, and he's come here to MMSD trying to truly make a difference. We have with us none other than the Mr. Cedric Hodo. Mr. Hodo, how are you today? All right,
0: doing very well, Dr. Jenkins. Thank you for this opportunity to, to come before the community. And yourself, and hey, let's have a conversation. Yeah, that's it. And we wanted to get you here because
1: a number of calls have come in, people are asking us, like, who's really over this, who's over that. Sure. Well, today, everyone's going to hear it. it is Mr. Cedric Hodo. And when we start talking about Lead to Liberate, I can't wait mm-hmm. to get in this conversation for everyone in the community to hear how intentional we're being in terms of what we're trying to do from our operations side of the house. So, Mr. Hodo, let's just start off with this. Uh, Everyone who's worked with you, continue to come back and tell me, say, hey, he is on top of his game, excellent customer service, he's trying to make sure that we have a very diverse workforce. Tell me, what, what led you here to Madison Metropolitan School District and what experiences that you bring that have really made you say, hey, I'm in the right place and I'm gonna do whatever I can to help our scholars have the best experience?
0: Yeah, first of all, uh, thank you Dr. Jenkins for this opportunity and then to the community abroad as well. Uh, thank you as well for the privilege of serving in the capacity of your Senior Executive Director of Building Services and operation. Just kind of give you a little bit about my background. I think um, that's what kind of have driven me in, in, in the area in which I'm in. Um, I, I'm a Detroit-born kid and i born and raised, well born in Atlanta, but raised up in Detroit. And, and, and I re- really saw the need to, to support public students' education. I came up in a gang ridden environment and and so it was very important for me to kind of give back. And so the trajectory of my career, I think, really helped me understand what's needed. If you take a step back and look at, I come from HBCU, uh, Mississippi Valley State University, graduated in 1992. Um, Give you a little bit about my background itself. I started off in the uh, food service industry. I'm working for a company called Olive Garden, Darden Restaurants. Uh, I matriculated my way up through general managership all the way uh, for, gen- for to a general manager at Olive Garden and Red Lobster. Um, stayed with the company about eight years, then I went over to the hotel side. The hotel side gave me a really good understanding of how to provide customer service and then apply culinary um, um, progressions into customer service itself. Um, I've trained in some of the best locations, working at JW Marriott, um, 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 Renaissance hotels in North America. I've also been trained over at the uh, Culinary Institute in, in Trentino, Italy called Reserva di Fizzano. Trained under the master Chef Neri Romano. Now all of that background gave me a unique perspective to how we can advance food, particularly at the K-12 level. And so I worked in the hotel industry about 10 years and then after that I worked with a company called Sodexo. And Sodexo Magic in specific. I worked for a billionaire by the name of Magic Johnson where I oversaw logistics and operations for Sodexo Magic North America, overseeing all college campuses and K-12 institutions in in the United States. And so understanding the demographics, I thought was very unique, and so how to apply quality food, quality service, and supporting our kids, I think, became my hallmark. And so that's been a passion for me, and that has led me to Madison. And so when I saw the lead to liberate, I saw the need to provide um, um, wraparound support in the form of uh, great food, great service, transportation, facilities, everything that supports student learning. It became my passion, to be honest with you. And so that led me to here, and I was able to come in and have a great team that works for me. And so we've been trying to build on that one simple concept. How do we support student education?
1: Right, well, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of background about you yourself. And I tell you, here in MMSD, our community just been outstanding in Absolutely. terms of passing a historic referendum. And we had some transition take place uh, when I first came in, and we had to go out and find someone who had that type of commitment to everything you just really said for this $350 million referendum, $317 million going towards uh, our referendum facilities. So yeah. thinking about that, and I know you're very humble, but I'm gonna mention his part. He's also was a collegiate athlete and outstanding, <laughs> a top wide receiver in uh, in college at his HBCU and trained up under uh, no one other than Jerry Rice. And so everyone knows the story, but Mr. Hodo brings that love of discipline himself. How has that influenced your work and what you're doing too as well?
0: Yeah, as a, as a student scholar and athlete, uh, I, I think it has, Um, tremendously impacted. How I think and and how I carry it into practice. Um, We worked at at Mississippi Valley, we probably practiced three times a day. Uh, We had some very tough practices, 120 degree heat, um, running routes. I trained under Jerry Rice and so the precision of his route capability, one of the things I learned at a young age and it stuck with me. Um, His philosophy when we were practicing catching bricks was something very unique to me. He said, if you can catch a brick, you can catch a football. And when somebody throwing a brick at you, it really causes you to think very carefully that you need to catch that <laughs> yes, brick, yes. lest the brick hit you. And so some of our training techniques we thought was um, are very progressive, but we learned a lot. But the mindset, I think, was more important. And I think that mindset, I think, has carried me three-a-day practices working off season, coming to summer school, studying and dedicating yourself to your profession. I have brought all of that to Madison, inclusive of myself. And so my team has been a nonstop in making sure that the referendum stays on track, Uh, transportation remains on track, Uh, food services being upgraded, our grounds and facilities across the the district, over 60 buildings we, we maintain is being upgraded on a consistent basis. And bringing that technical expertise to Madison um, was was the beauty in, in helping this particular community. So I'm excited about the opportunity. We have a long way to go, but I sure tell you, we've made a huge dent in where we were before when I got here a year and a half ago. And so thanks to your leadership, thanks to the community abroad, thanks to the board as well, and thanks to my dedicated team who have supported the transition as well.
1: Yeah, well, I tell you, thanks for sharing that. One of the things that we all know that food and nutrition is very important yeah. to the well-being of uh, any human being and we have a lot of world hunger but coming in here looking at our food service program and knowing that we have a team of people really good people right what's your goal what's your vision you know i had a fourth grader to tell me and uh the fourth graders hold you accountable in our district uh dr jenkins started this year this food's not right <laughs> you know and you and your team came yeah. back you work together i know we have the food supply chain that, demand but the fourth graders really weren't hearing that and That's I also right. remember the day that they <laughs> said hey they're finally getting it right so tell me what's your vision and uh for MMSD and how we're going to do food and nutrition for all children and even down to our lunches uh some because of the transportation yeah uh really we have students eating at one o'clock what's your vision for this
0: yeah yeah this is a great question um when we came on board one of the things that we wanted to do is assess where we're at And one of the things that we found out is some of our infrastructure needed support. And to be honest with you, uh, we had staffing issues. We had supply chain challenges. We came in in the midst of a pandemic, so think about that. Right. Um, uh, Supply chain challenges, rising costs, the declining uh, staff. And so one of the things that was instrumental that I thought that, that yourself and the board did was, we gave a $5 increase, number one, to our food service staff and that really helped us begin the, the trajectory where we were at. Um, the next step we did was begin to have a what we call a culinary um, excellence training inside of our, our production staff, production team. The flour production is the heart of the food service operation, so our goal was to train our staffs to come away from um, what I call prepackaged items to go to more scratch cooking. So you're starting to see more robust items coming to the food chain. Salisbury steak, where we do a multitude of artisan-style pizzas. We're making a variety of muffins now, homemade muffins from scratch. And so um, these are items in which we need to train on first before we really can execute at the highest level. The K-12 compliance around food can be kind of technical, but at the end of the day, kids want great food, great service, and a fun, friendly atmosphere. And it's our job to do that, and so what you'll see up and coming in in the next couple months, rolling into next year, we need to make sure that we have the infrastructure in place first. Do we have the the, um, equipment to serve food properly? Maintain the storage and temperature of the food properly? Have we trained our staff uh, properly how to serve and how to cook from scratch? And so the first year for me is really focused on infrastructure. In year two, you'll begin to see us begin to make progressive steps toward more robust menu items, more more robust menu options, themed meals, St. Patrick's Day meals, Valentine's Day meals, meals that's reflective of various cultures. Uh, One of the things that's important to us is that food should be reflective of the communities in which we serve. Why can't we have some, it's great, Wisconsin's a cheese state. don't get me wrong, but we have a lot of different um, varieties of individuals from all over the world. Why can't we have Honduras Day, or Guatemala Day, or Latinx food? How about Hmong-inspired recipes? And so you're starting to see Indian-inspired, or Native American-inspired recipes, rice that we purchase from local. And so our goal is to begin to incorporate recipes from various communities into the K-12 compliance option. And we're well on the way, and so we've made significant in- improvements.
1: Well, wow, that's very important that you're doing that level of work, and we really do appreciate it because here, MMSD, we want to lead to liberate, but in order to lead to liberate, you have to see yourself as being free. And you have to see yourself in the plan. Our students, and uh, two of our students, the reason that we did the whole land acknowledgement here in Madison for our um, Ho-Chunk, the indigenous people here, the First Nations, because two students said they didn't see themselves anywhere in our uh, curriculum, in our schools or even in society. So that takes me to the referendum, and I know that you were very intentional in terms of trying to make sure that our students uh, of all um, abilities, that they were being seen, all cultures in the buildings. Tell us a little bit about that. What did you do with the Southside Elementary that, yeah. that's really making the culture come out in the building?
0: Yeah, this is this is something that's very unique. I thought this was a really great opportunity as well as a as a challenge, to incorporate themes, art, music, science, to make a difference in the new renovations. Um, for for those who may or may not know, I, I also oversaw Washington D.C. public schools, and we went for a historic referendum in the schools this well. called modernization plan, probably about two point three billion. Well, we were overseeing the remodelization of over 60 buildings over the course of 20 years, and so it gave me a unique perspective as I came to Madison. So one of the things I thought that was important for us is we need to correct the historical wrongs. The restorative justice piece played a heavy role into not only our thinking, but how we design some of the buildings and the upgrades. It's very difficult for a person who's in a wheelchair to have to go up a ramp or a slope that the radius of that ramp makes it extremely difficult or challenging for them. They're literally out of breath before they get up there. Mm. Well, some of our, some of our uh, um, uh, disabled uh, and wheelchair-bound students found it very difficult to go to the restroom The turn radius in the restrooms rather than there. There wasn't some ADA ac- accommodations. And so we set forth with our design engineers to make sure that we corrected those historical wrongs. So some of the things that you will see, even at locations like La Follette High Schools, where we have gender-neutral restrooms now. This is huge. Huge. Um, uh, You have a huge contingency of those who want the privacy of being able to go to the restroom where they desire. That is a human right. That is something that absolutely is critical. Uh, Let me just
1: pause you right there for a second because that was huge in our district. And right now, when we're talking about having access uh, to various uh, needs for all of our students in all of our restrooms being gender neutral at this particular point. You made a considerable effort to put that apart of our local budget to make sure that all students never had to feel excluded in our restrooms. So tell me a little bit about that as well. Uh,
0: absolutely. And so it was a concerted effort to transition certain restrooms over to gender neutral restrooms. But as we build and design new high schools and new renovated areas, we want to make sure that these that the 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 typical restrooms, um, or all gender restrooms were incorporated into all aspects of it. Inclusive in that, we wanted to make sure that every restroom had feminine products because it's a human right. You know, I asked my daughter when we were um, researching this, you know, is this something that you think is necessary? And and my daughter said, absolutely. Have you ever been embarrassed at, at, at school before because you were ashamed that you didn't have money for feminine products? And so it caused me to rethink that. And so it became a human right. And I was very pleased with the response and then the, and then the students itself spoke up here in Madison that some of these things that's necessary for them to go through a daily basis um, is important in their <clears throat> overall career. So when you talk about restrooms equality, you're talking about um, a spatial recognition, you talked about seeing yourself in the school from the art. Uh, from the humanity side. All of these things were critical. Um, you have some surrounding neighbor schools who have turf fields. Why can't we compete with that? And so you saw the installation of multiple turf fields coming on board here. You saw different, um, uh, what we call energy and paint and different colors. All of that means a lot when you're talking about student space and learning, efficiency and sitting down. We had 1950 chairs dating back from 1940s and 50s. That industrial style learning doesn't support the modern day student. And So being able to put them in ergonomic seating, in flexible chairs, with great lighting, um, we think will have a rate of return in regards to a learning.
1: Well, I do have to tell you, Mr. Hodo, I heard it again from our fourth graders. Those new playgrounds, about uh, 41 went in throughout <laughs> the district and the fourth graders were telling the middle school, including the high school students, yes. and On the weekend, I see individuals on our
0: playgrounds. Uh, What's that impact been like for you? The schools should be the hub center of any community. It's the chief learning center. It's the chief area in which students spend the majority of their time outside of their home. Then why not make the grounds more attractive? And so when you start seeing our schools, you're looking at brand new playgrounds that's installed. Wheelchair accessibility will be going in in all of our playgrounds. We built in over 41 new playgrounds. We thought that this makes a huge difference on our kids. They have a place, a safe place to come, play basketball, hang out, play football, play soccer, run around, kind of just enjoy themselves. They take pride in our school now. And so you're starting to see middle school. So for instance, over at Senate, you know, we have large plots of land but now we put playgrounds in front, so the kids now are coming there. It's an excitement to come to school rather than just a bore. So hey, we thought it was a huge investment. We thank you for having the vision for supporting us in that. I thought it was a monumental inequality to have any elementary student or middle school student without access to a playground.
1: Yeah, let me say uh, that was thinking Prior to me, our entire community came together. We do thank our community Absolutely. for that level of vision. Everybody who came before me, and for years, our communities continue continued to serve and support uh, our school district. La Follett High School, and I think about equity uh, in our district, and we're trying to make sure that these dollars are serving all of our communities, and I think about the arts. Tell me a little bit about the over at La Follette High School and then Memoria and other schools because we put a lot of emphasis in trying to make sure we had beautiful and uh, spaces that where we can educate our students to the fullest.
0: Yeah this is one of the most unique perspectives that we gained. First of all we had multiple committees come together including community and student voice and we listened very close as we went into the design phase and one of the things we found out was Madison doesn't really promote a higher level of humanities in regards to our music and recording studios and the arts and whatnot. We saw that as a dis, a disparity, but it's a great opportunity as well. And so what we saw was by designing art that is reflective of the student culture, by, by designing uh, recording studios and music uh, studios, uh, theaters that are designed of how you can express yourself and express your um, love of humanity through arts and music. This is a form of learning, um, and most people may not recognize that. Um, my wife is a musician by trade, and I've learned how to understand music and the beauty in the music that she brings, but it's also an expression of herself. And so there are a lot of students who are brilliant, um, and so we thought that this was a creative path, and what you'll see at locations like La Follette, when we get through with the arts and humanities areas, you'll see areas designed that it's designed by students, it's reflective of the the, the latest culture, and it's inspirational. One thing you wanna do is go into an environment that inspires you, and so just like any student with something on their wall, they put things on their wall that inspire them, and we wanted to have that same concept at all our schools.
1: Yeah, and I do tell you this, Madison is definitely an arts community, so to have this level of a referendum to begin to just carve a path out so that everyone can see themselves uh, within our community. And I love the focus of our board, that they place on equity and making sure that in all areas of our community that we're touching it and giving the most for the dollars that we put forth. You have just really been wonderful here today on Lead to Liberate. And I wanna say to all of our uh, listeners out there, we want you to continue to come back so you can learn more about MMSD and our attempt to lead, to liberate, and it makes a difference. Everyone here makes a difference for all of our scholars. So thank you again for listening. We'll thank be you. back again next week. Thank you, Mr. Odo. Thank you, Dr. Jinks.
0: You're listening to Lead to Liberate, a podcast by the Madison Metropolitan School District demonstrating how the more we know, the more we grow.